closed. Hey everybody, my name is Pej. We come on every single Tuesday, right around noon time. I always have special guests in the recovery world. We talk about anything and everything that's recovery related or lack thereof. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. Hey everybody, welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. Um, I have a couple of really nice people that I just met in a little in the last few months uh, as my guest today, Michael Lynn and Lee McGinnis. Uh, welcome to the corner to both of you. Thanks so Michael, much. It's great to be here. Good to have you both. Michael's outside of Philadelphia and Lee is in Virginia. And they actually have a podcast together. Go ahead, go ahead and tell them what it is. Go ahead and it's tell the, them what it is, Mike. <laughs> okay. It's the Daily Reflection Podcast. Uh, every okay. every day, well, not every day, nearly every day, we interview members of the recovery community uh, to hopefully get some experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflections book. Everybody's familiar with that book. Um, awesome. Awesome. Yep. Available on all podcast networks. <laughs> he's, su he's such a pro. I mean, you could just tell his voice, the way he talks, so soothing. It's like this is why we podcast voice. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first and foremost, you know, because we are on, on uh, this Recovery Corner podcast, we... Uh, I, I always like to delve deep into people's pasts and, and dissect and see, you know, who they are, where they grew up, what happened, and then basically what changed and that absolute decision that they changed their lives. So we'll start with, should we, ladies first? Lee, sure. who are you? Like, where are you from? Uh, where'd you wow. grow up? Who am I is the question I've been asking myself here lately. <laughs> I don't know. It's unfolding. Let's see. So I am, um, first of all, I've been sober since January 1st, 2012. And um, I grew up all over the, the world. I was born, I'm 57 years old. I was born in 1963. And my father worked for the intelligence community. So we traveled around the world and um, always moving, always always going to, to new countries where I didn't speak the language and didn't quite fit in. And, and that's kind of where the story starts actually. Okay. So moving around a lot. Yep. And, um, I won't even <laughs> ask about the, the intelligence part. The second I hear that, I'm just thinking like, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we, uh, let's see. I, uh, I, I, I lived in, in the United States for a few years. We moved to Hong Kong during the Vietnam War while my dad was serving um, there. And then we came back and then we went to the Dominican Republic and then down to Argentina and then back for a little while and then to Rome, Italy during my high school years. So my childhood really was just a bunch of moving, um, showing, you know, literally moving. We, we assimilated into the into the culture of the country that we were in. So we really uh, had to learn the language. Nobody, nobody learned English to accommodate me. <laughs> I had to learn the languages. And we usually showed up late into the school year, like a month or so, and, you know, landed in a country that, you know, I didn't speak the language, didn't know anybody. And, um, and that kind of started the, the whole not necessarily fitting in, not feeling part of, kind of feeling left out of the circle. Um, and then just to compound that, uh, the, the life inside the home was, was pretty, uh, dysfunctional. I, I always say I was, I was born into unmanageability right out of the birth canal. So it was just a kind of a, the inside, inside the house was, was somewhat traumatic outside the house was not necessarily always comfortable. And, um, and so, yeah, that, 
So that. in that case, so what happened? What, how old were you when you first started using or drinking or which one was it? Um, I actually started using before I started drinking. What I did had you a, use? Uh, <laughs> I first started smoking weed. Well, first, my very first drug of choice was cigarettes. Okay. And then that's a, that's I- a, That is a drug. Yeah. And it's funny because I started using addictively right off the bat because the very first time I smoked, my friend taught me how to smoke. So a big part of my story early on was that I, I told people that I, I used to, to be cool. Like I said, I used, even though I never had. And then when people would break it out and I would have to do it because I had been saying I was doing it. So, um, one of my, one of my friends taught me how to smoke and, um, how I, old were you? I was, 12 years old. She taught me how to smoke cigarettes and I somehow had a pack of cigarettes. Can't remember how I, I got those, but, um, and I went out behind my house and laid down in the woods and smoked the entire pack. <laughs> and I, and that's me right off. The, like I go big or stay home. And, um, that, and I, I smoked the entire like pack a, and got sick. Sounds like major addictive behavior. Oh yeah, seriously. And I, I smoked the entire pack, got super sick. And then uh, proceeded to keep smoking, like getting sick did not deter me from smoking. And then that was pretty much, that's pretty much how I started doing all the other drugs. And I started out smoking weed. I graduated to other um, pill pills. Um, back in the day, we used to do a lot of quaaludes and speed and uh, anything called, else. We could I think they were called cross tops back then. If you're, like, if you're around the same age as me. Those speed pills were cross tops, right? Cross tops, yep. And then you know, quickly Quaaludes. graduated. We don't even hear about quaaludes anymore. I think they're like they're outdated. Like it's a whole different. I don't know if they make them anymore. Days. Yeah, um, it used to be called le- uh, lemon seven fourteen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Seven fourteen. So we used to smoke them and, and there was take red, them. Red Devils or something like that. There was there was a bunch of different names for them, right? Mm. I don't know. I, I don't remember. Well, I don't know how old you guys are. I might be I might be the baby of the bunch. I don't know. You know, maybe. This is just, just things I heard in passing. Okay, so then it became some pills and things like that. And at this point, you were what age? Uh, you know, 13, 14, um, 15, right around 15, 16. Uh, I came back to this country from having been uh, in Italy for a few years. Mm-hmm. And I started doing uh, hallucinogenics. And, and true to addict form, I was doing them in my room at night by myself. Um, I did everything. But I did everything with my friends, but then I just wanted to go home and, and do it Seclude. by myself. Seclude and, and do it and go big with it. And um, and I started selling drugs to be able to use for free. And yeah, it was just, I ended up uh, dropping out of high school. Mm-hmm. It's hard to to use that way and, and actually go to class and, and pay attention and learn things. I, I went to school to buy drugs and sell drugs, really. Right. And then I started working and decided I didn't want to go to school anymore and quit school at the age of 16. Little rebel. Yeah, I was a rebel. Mm -hmm. I was a little hippie girl. Complete with batik, tie-dye skirts, and (laughs) and patchouli oil. Yeah, patchouli. That's that's (laughs) the one. Did you, uh, so what what did you do? Like, were you in, in America at the time? Yeah, so we came back to this country in 1979, and I've been here ever since. And I was mm-hmm. a junior in high school, and that's—I think I stayed in school for a couple months and 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 quit, and then started working. So I've really been working ever since. Um, I did end up going back to community college 
I, I they accepted me at community college provided I got my GED and I and I did do that uh, at the age I think 19 to 21 I went to community college and uh, but I continued to use and and honestly for a long time I mean I used addictively but for a long time uh, it was manageable you know mm. in some ways I mean it that that story continues to unfold really right. you know so it wasn't I understand that because I think all throughout my young adulthood, I was making it work and there wasn't wreckage that was quite yet being created. I think that started to happen in my later 20s. So so you say you've been sober, what, nine years or is it? Yeah, a little over nine years. All right. So what happened that you got sober? Well, a whole bunch of stuff. Was, 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 there, a crisis? was there a crisis in your life or something? You know, um, if they had come up with a cure for the horrible hangover, I'd probably still be drinking today. But um, what happened was that the two things started happening. One is I started, I think my body stopped processing alcohol as well as it had for years and years. I used to always say that I never got a hangover. Like I used to kind of be bummed out that I didn't know what a hangover was. And I could, I could drink and drink and drink and then get up and go to work the next day. I used to work out heavily and run and all those things. And it never impacted me. But at, at a certain point, I would say in my forties, um, it started taking a toll on my body and hmm. I started getting really sick. And so I was just sick around the clock and, and I started, uh, having blackouts and brownouts. Um, you know, my, What's behavior. A brownout? so a brownout is sort of periods of, of, uh, for me anyway, a brownout is, you know, a blackout to me is, is I just can't remember large expanses of time. You know, mm. like I went out drinking last night. I have no idea what happened. I don't know where I ended up. You know, somehow it's the next day and I'm at your house and I don't know how I got there. Um, uh. A brownout is just where pieces of time are missing. I kind of know what happened. Can't remember exact pieces of conversations. Um, mm -hmm. But I was in and out, sort of in and out of the evening or in and out of the day. And I call that a brownout. And I came up with that. And I'm sure I didn't invent it. But the blackout didn't quite apply when people were sharing. Mm -hmm. And um, and I either came up with it or somebody said it somewhere in a meeting. And I went, oh, yeah, that was me. Okay. That sounds yeah. like some East Coast talk right there because I never heard yeah. of a brownout. Yeah. Although I love going to uh, East Coast and experiencing East Coast recovery. So, yeah. so now you live and reside in Virginia. Mm -hmm. You're a working woman. Did you ever go back to school and finish school, like high school or anything like that? No. Nope. Um, I got a GED, and then I uh -huh. went to two years of community college. And right. um, I'm I'm just really resourceful and a hard worker when I'm sober. So I've managed to to do okay for myself. But, um, yeah, I never did go back. And, you know, I've thought about it because it's one of those things I do wish I had done differently. You know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of consequences out there when, if I look at legal consequences, mm -hmm. you know, jails, institutions, death, I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I gave everything away. I gave my education away. I mean, luckily I, I grew up overseas, so I got an education, right. um, just based on being exposed to world culture, different cultures and, and, and world events. I mean, when, when we lived in South America, there were five forms of government in five years and military coups and like all kinds of stuff. So you get exposed to things, you, you get an education. You learn. Yeah, you yeah. learn. You learn. And I read. So my, my first drug of choice, I said, was cigarettes. Really, it was books. 
So I read voraciously, I think, to escape my dysfunctional family life. So it, I, hap it happens a lot. People get lost in the books. Sometimes you have the addict. Sometimes you have the alcoholic. And then sometimes you have the bookworm who just gets lost in the books and doesn't want to deal with all that bullshit that's going on within the so dysfunctional family function. Okay. So, so, um, and now married kids, anything like that? Nope, not married. Yes, kid. I have a 27 year old son. I was married mm -hmm. a few times <laughs> and, uh, another drug of choice. Uh -huh. Um, and um, so when you say a few times, that's not a couple. That's a that's few. more than a couple, <laughs> less than a whole bunch. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I tried to escape. I tried to escape by, by finding, you know, my little inner circle. I think I was always trying to find the solution to my right. life's problems. And it was never within myself. It was always either in drugs or alcohol or relationships. And uh, it's interesting because at this stage in my recovery and my life, I'm starting to see that for what it really is. And it's like the new frontier, as I think Bill Wilson called it at one point, who was one of the founders of one of the recovery programs that are out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, relationships are the new frontier. And it's, it's something we don't have, we are not equipped to handle or manage <laughs> Most right. of us addicts and alcoholics have no idea what we're doing and we try to do it. And so that was just one of the ways that I tried to find relief. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, I didn't have the skills for it. Um, and under the influence of drugs or alcohol, you know, most relationships aren't going to aren't going to work. And in fact, I married my son's dad because we did a lot of cocaine together. And uh, when you do cocaine together, I don't know if you know this, but you bond like it's amazing oh. the connection that you forge. And, and nothing um, like the, the like a, like that sensational feeling that you get from being with somebody else experiencing the the cocaine. I know groove. I always said I would have. <laughs> what a relationship! I would have married your grandma if I did coke with her. <laughs> it's everything, but, um, right? It's everything. Yeah. So yeah, so those did not work out, and um, but I did have I did get gifted a beautiful son, and uh, he's now 27 years old and we have a great relationship and uh, I'm a sober uh, drug-free mom today. So, Good. Yeah. I love that. Your son is lucky to have that. Yeah. I love that. Good to learn about you a little bit, Lee. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Mike. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. yourself. <clears throat> grew up, where'd you grow up? I grew up like? uh, very close to where I'm at now. I grew up um, in a town called Levittown. Pennsylvania. And, um, uh, my first foray into, uh, mind altering substances was a gift from my brother. I was about 11 years old. He gave me a bag of pot. What a, a gift. Yeah. What a gift. And, uh, we were, we were, there was a, a, a person that was kind of babysitting us and he, uh -huh. he was interested in this person. He's a couple years older than me. And, uh, he gifted me this bag of pot and a, and a pipe and told me to scram. And I took that and, um, I, you know, got a lighter and I packed the pipe and I had never done it before. And like I said, I was about 11 years old and I went in behind this bush between the building. We lived in an apartment complex and uh, I took the first hit and I coughed my head off yeah. and it wasn't a pleasant experience. Was it shitty pot? Was it shitty weed? Or was it, it, it was, was shitty it weed. It was shitty okay. weed. But, yeah. but what happened was I tried again. And I tried again and again, and I kept coughing. And over a short period of time, you, you'll be familiar with this. Something something floated down and enveloped me. 
And it nah. was just this re sweet release, like just a sweet, ah, like the, you know, the problems of the world, the problems yes. of the world went away. And, yeah. uh, and I, I chased that for many years and uh, I didn't become an addict right away. Uh, but I did find that, uh, through drugs and alcohol, right. I could find that, that sweet relief. And, uh, I used, you know, on the weekends, whenever I could, we would, we would hang out, hang, hang outside of a, you know, the beer store and try and get people to buy us beers and, and things like that until, you know, through my teens. And, uh, and, um, for the most part, uh, alcohol was a social lubricant for me. And I carried that mm -hmm. through, you know, my young adulthood. Um, yeah. So, so, um, you know, from a fairly dysfunctional family had some, um, you know, some depression and alcoholism in the family. And I think mm -hmm. I, I kind of was exposed to that early on. So, um, the solution that I found was in, in drugs and alcohol for a long time, kind of managed to keep it together. Um, I married my wife very young. We were, uh, 19 at the time. My son came along before we were married and, uh, that kind of hurried things along. And, and for the most part, my twenties, uh, I, I held it together. You know, I was, right. I was drinking out of control on the weekends, but, um, managed to hold it together. I got really lucky with, uh, you know, a couple of job opportunities and, uh, I'm a hard worker. So, right. uh, so managed to pull a, a decent so career you were, together. You were like a, like a family man, but you drank on the weekends and you, and you held it yeah. together and you provided for, you had a son at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And my, my daughter came along pretty quickly thereafter. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Two kids. Damn, you already had kids in, in your twenties. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, amazing kids. They're, they're great. And, uh, for the most part, that responsibility kind of held me, held, held the drinking at bay. Uh, but I was a, an avid, uh, drug user. My drug of choice at the time was meth and, and some cocaine. And, uh, so and wait a minute, they had meth in outside did. of Philly during, Oh yeah. Oh, what yeah. years was this? <laughs> uh, my son was born in 87. So through the nineties. Well, are we talking like crank, like crystal? Yeah, meth? crank. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This, this, like the, the biker dope. <laughs> yes. Jet fuel, and yes. we were snorting this stuff. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they make, it's they make tires out of it now. Yes, they do. <laughs> There's a distinct smell. But uh, yeah. it's a trip because back then we had it on the, on the West Coast and I would travel to uh, North Carolina or New York, and I had some, and people were like, "What is this?" Yeah. So, so wow, they actually had it in your area. Oh, but then again, oh yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of bikers in your area too, so you never know how it actually <laughs> right? got there. Right. Okay, so you were doing meth, and and that was because you were. Oh, it was the perfect, perfect pick me up when I, I drank too much. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. You, it really helps you feel the effect produced by alcohol, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You can, you can go all night long. You can go all night long. You don't yeah. even get drunk, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I did. Much okay, to the dismay yeah. of my wife. You pushed it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, okay. you know, kind of burned the candles at both ends. Uh, did, did really well in my career. Managed to, you know, to, to do fairly well uh, in, on the career front and, um, left the world. I, I ended up working on wall street for a number of years and, wow. uh, you know, it started to become a problem. The drinking started to become a problem. Um, oddly enough on my way home from this job, I'd, I'd work really hard all day mm -hmm. and then I would get on that train and, and I would promise myself I wasn't going to drink on the way home. Right. And yet I, every night, every night I would have a couple of tall boys and a couple of airplane bottles of, of vodka. And that would be just the start. And by the time I got home, if, I made it home. 
um, there were a couple of bars that, that were stopped at on the way home. And, uh, were you in yeah. your thirties at this time? Yeah. 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 Uh, so th- there was a, a kind of an acknowledgement that I had a problem. Um, I did attend a meeting or two of, of, uh, a 12 step recovery program and, uh, didn't stick and stay. Um, I did see someone very close to me, a relative of mine, uh, go into one of the programs and, and find success there. So it was a kind of a good example for me. And when things got really bad, which didn't didn't really happen uh, for another 10 years, I I stayed out there for uh, another 10 years, getting worse and worse and worse in terms of the drinking. Um, So I knew I knew where to go uh, when it when it got really bad. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess that family member that that it worked for was like it it was a possibility. It showed you that, you know, maybe for some for some this works. You just weren't ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was an amazing example, you know, to see right. somebody completely transform their lives. So, and then, uh, and then you got sober, how long have you been sober now? Seven years. And you got sober pretty much in your forties. Is that when it happened? Yeah. Yeah. It was 48. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, what was it? What was your crisis or what made you actually decide, like make that absolute decision <laughs> that I got to do this? Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody has a different term for it, but I'll, I'll call it my bottom. My bottom happened uh, around the time I was asked to to participate in a company meeting. And uh, this was going to happen in Miami. And right. I started drinking, you know, m- many days before I actually had to get on a plane. Um, and, you know, those brownouts occurred. And I have this vague recollection of of being in Miami and waking up the morning that I was supposed to participate in this company meeting and, uh, just being completely, completely out of control. So what do we do? What do we alcoholics do? We continue drinking Yep. (laughs) and it was a bit of a shit show. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I came back from that, from that experience. Uh, I found, I found my car, uh, in the airport parking lot, retrieved the the vodka bottle from the the back of the you know from the wheel well you know in the in the trunk and uh proceeded to drink that the rest of the way home i don't remember getting home and came to uh under my desk and i think it was the next day and my wife was actually leaving and that was the that was the bottom and uh a short while after that the phone rang and it was a, a guy i had met in a, a 12-step recovery meeting about six months earlier and uh he asked me how i was doing and in that moment i kind of made a decision to to get honest and uh while it was difficult that started the the journey back and uh yeah i'm grateful for that phone call i love that so so you're not really a product of treatment or anything like that you didn't go to a treatment center you just went uh through a community through one guy that uh that helped you kind of show you the path of recovery in that sense that's excellent yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not to say, not to discount treatment. I, I work in treatment. I believe sure. in treatment. I think it's great. It works for a lot of people. But I always admire people that just come into the path of the twelve step path and 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 enter and stay. Yeah, and, hey, hey man, you know, it, I, you know it takes it takes what it takes, right? Right. Yeah. Awesome. So, and so you know, I I love. I think we're all maybe around the same age, it's nice to be able to interact with people that it's, it's a trip because you guys are in different parts of the country, but we all had our own journey. We all had our own um, fun with it until it wasn't fun anymore. Right. I think for a long time we managed and, and as you get older, you start, you have these little realizations like, 
maybe my life isn't working out for me. Maybe I'm, <laughs> you know, maybe there's the little signs, the writings on the wall. She's leaving. He's leaving. It's not working. Um, so, so now that you both um, are sober and you, you've, you've, I know that. I think you guys met during pandemic, the two of you, right? Mm-hmm. And how how'd that happen? Um, you you want to take it? <laughs> sure. So, um, what happened was, I it's interesting because I I had done I, so one of the things I do every year at the end of the year is kind of do a review of my year, and you know what am I grateful for? What I, I like to honor the past year and then look ahead. You know, what are the things I want to I want to work on? And one of the things I really wanted to do in the upcoming year was start a podcast of some kind. Uh-huh. And I'm a, I'm a wellness and nutrition coach and a small business coach. And um, I'm in the personal development field for work. And I was like, I, I just want to do something, but I have no idea how to do it. And, and, but I wrote that down. And on January 1st is my anniversary. I turned nine years. So clean and sober on the 1st of January. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I was in a meeting. Uh, one of my meetings that I regularly attend on Zoom. And mm-hmm. Mike was leading. And okay. he was there with his get up like he is right now. <laughs> headphones. He, he had this cool like background brick and he was like in this recording studio that I didn't realize at the time was a virtual background, but it looked super cool. And, and he's leading. And, um, and then I shared, um, and he reached out and asked me if I would be a guest on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I of course jumped all over that. And, um, I think two days later I, I was interviewed by Mike for the podcast and I asked him for some tips on, you know, I was like, Hey, maybe I can pick your brain. And, I don't, we don't even actually know how this happened, but somehow I started doing all the admin for him. So I offered my support and help, mm-hmm. um, which was really probably fortuitous for him. Cause I don't know how he would have kept that going much longer. Cause he was doing an episode every day. And, um, so and the podcast that you went on for him was not daily reflection. It, it was, was. No, it was, oh, yeah. it was, yeah. you already had that going. Yeah. It, okay. Kind of. So tell him how it started out and then. <laughs> Yeah. So it started out in, in much of a different form. Um, you know, I was kind of challenged by, I was in a leadership, uh, training program, um, some, uh, continuing education. And, um, I had always, I had talked about setting a goal to, to, to do a podcast and, uh, my, the, the, the trainer running the, uh, the education basically challenged me to, to go ahead and just launch it. So, Without thinking too much about it, I, I said, "Well, what do I know best? I, you know, I live my life in recovery. I have I have purpose in my life because of, you know, the program of recovery. So I spend a lot of time thinking about that, and I want to help people. What could I do in that space and do a podcast? So I said, "Well, let me just let me just start a daily podcast. And what better way than to to simply just read a piece of inspirational literature? I settled on the daily reflection. I, I secured the domain name. I, I got the podcast hosting, and I just started." myself reading the the daily reflection pretty boring <laughs> no it's not but, boring at all actually and it's not called daily reflections like the book that <laughs> right it's called daily it's, reflection yeah. i think it's wonderful i think it's a great idea and what's so, wrong with with reflecting daily right yeah absolutely so so i i started doing that and then uh the thought occurred to me well maybe if i expand on the the reflection myself but then people are going to get tired of hearing just me blather on. So I'll, maybe I'll, I'll pull people in and have them read the re- reflection and interview them. And, and that's how it, it started. I had uh, someone that's close to me in, in the program uh, do the first episode. And 
And then I just started looking for, for other folks that had a powerful message. And Lee was one of the first people that I interacted with. And oddly enough, she wanted to do something similar. So I yeah. love that. So I, I started producing, I, I started booking as guests and we created all these systems. Like we're the most systematized, um, <laughs> you know, thank you <laughs> podcast. Um, but I started booking and, and doing admin and we it, it's, you know, and next thing you know, we're co-hosting together and uh and we were doing a an episode every single day and uh interviewing probably three or four people a day and then editing every night and um it, it was a labor of love and a mission you know we say um that we're on a mission from god and and the thing is just like what you're doing Pej, and it's so valuable because we're Absolutely. reaching people that haven't necessarily found themselves in some sort of a recovery program or in rehab you know we're reaching people where they live Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully people can identify in and see what we're all about without having to necessarily walk into the rooms of some sort of recovery program. Sure. That's scary for people. Mm. Very scary. Um, I got to yeah. say, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> there was a time where, you know, I, I, I was involved in obviously 12 step meetings live and I'd heard of, um, some meetings that were available online, right? So I, but this is before pandemic. And and so I always thought to myself, would I ever like go online? And I, how does that even work? Do you see them? Do you, or is it just voices or like everybody's just sharing? So anyway, like when pandemic hit, um, we all, we obviously had to resort to going online. So Zoom stocks went way up. Everybody utilized Zoom in all different aspects, churches and schools and in mm. the 12 step community. And so, I mean, that's how we all met, right? So when I got on there, I thought, and, and then you'd get these people that were like, I don't, I won't do Zoom. I'm not going to do Zoom. And even those motherfuckers were on Zoom afterwards, <laughs> like after a little while, because they, because they couldn't go to their respective meetings or wherever they were going before. So regardless of the fact, like we're, we're all on Zoom. And then the next thing you know, I'm like, wait a second here. I'm like in meetings in Scotland and shit. Like, this is cool, right? I don't yeah. know what they're saying. I can't understand a word they're saying, but but it's cool. Like, the language of the heart is being spoken here. So along, I love the way that you two met, and it, it's that way that – and that's how friendships develop. So is the glass half full or is the glass, glass half empty? There's a lot of people that were totally anti-Zoom and still don't like it, and they love the inner, inner human interaction. But look at what's happened here. Like, this pandemic actually brought a lot more – of humanity together and and in the recovery community a lot of brought a lot of people together too i think that it was lee that met boo boo first right is mm -hmm. that how mm -hmm. and then, exactly and boo boo's one of my best friends and he's now in arizona he left ohio during this whole thing and um and that's how i met you guys and you guys had me on your show and i loved it i thought it was excellent like it was really cool to be able to pick a reading from the daily reflection and and just free you know, like freestyle it you know so what a beautiful experience. So how can people find you guys? Yeah. One way is uh, through podcasts, whatever podcast app you use, it's available on Google podcasts. It's available on Apple podcasts. It's available on Spotify. It's available. And they on just type in daily reflection, daily reflection podcast. You'll okay. find it. Um, you can also visit the URL www.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Mm -hmm. And you'll see a list of all of the episodes we have there. Just trying to get a, a, a reference for, what episode is Pej on? Let's see. And just to clarify, it is Daily Reflection, singular, podcast.com. Because if you, you know, type in the S, yes, you're not yes. going to find us. Right. Yep. There's no S. Well, you know how I found out? Because I typed in 
an S See? before. And it didn't <laughs> there you go. I was like, where, where yeah. is this? Cool. So episode 135 from May 14th, 2021 is Pej A. No yeah, God, like, no peace. Remember that? That's right. N-O-W. Yep. All it lies. was an amazing episode, <laughs> Pej. We had so much Thank fun you. recording it. And one of we the did. beautiful things about the podcast, and I'm sure you're finding this on yours as well, is that uh, we're hearing all the voices of recovery. So mm -hmm. um, what we know is that everybody's addiction and everyone's alcoholism is different. And it's right. that comparing in that makes you open and willing to maybe hear about a solution that you hadn't thought of before. And so what we want, our mission really is to get all these voices out into the world so that somebody will hear what they need to hear. They'll hear their story or something that resonates with them. And so we, uh, we let people talk about whatever they want. Um, they can talk about drugs, alcohol. Uh, we have, you know, a, we just want to be as inclusive and diverse as possible with, with regard to our guests. And, um, it's been an, a beautiful experience. It's been, you know, and we've said we we aren't um, we aren't interviewing together anymore because it's too much. Like you, you can't do you cannot. It's not sustainable to do this the way right. at the rate that we are doing it. So we've split up and we've started interviewing individually. And it's kind of sad because we've missed. Uh, I miss anyway. I don't know. Mike, I'm speaking for you too, but we used to look at each other sometimes after the interviews and we would be like, holy shit, <laughs> we have a front row seat to the best show in town, which is I love your, it. to get to hear your story, Absolutely. like one-on-one -on -one, and the space is so safe that people feel free to really uh, share authentically and, and from the heart. And, and you don't always get to do that anywhere. There's nowhere that you can really, even in a meeting, you're kind of, if you're in a recovery meeting, mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of limited to sort of the convention, I guess, of that meeting. But right. in this people can, we've had, we've had grown big burly men break down and cry. We've had, mm -hmm. you know, it's just people read poetry. Um, they share their favorite, favorite prayers and yeah. You know, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing space. And they've I talked about, that. you know, we've had people talk about how the God of how the understanding of the God of their understanding came about, or mm -hmm. they've shared that they don't believe in God or they, mm. you know, right. whatever their story is. And that's, it's, it's everything belongs. Right. You know, Beautiful. and you two, now let me ask this. Have you two ever actually met each other in person? We, <laughs> <laughs> i'll let mike answer that one <laughs> no <laughs> that's right we haven't it's amazing but we haven't yeah so. you're I, so we like the way you guys your delivery the way that you work together you collaborated so well like you'd think you're best friends and you've never even met in person the, wow this is what happens when you spend you know sometimes six hours a day you know working on a, yeah. on a common mission yeah and, and I think that's the key, you know, it's a common mission. I mean, it is so purposeful, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, our goal is to help the sick and suffering addict or alcoholic feel like they have a place to belong. And that's what is, it's all about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what We're, it's all about. That's what walk people home. We're walking each other home. And, that's right. um, so, yeah, I actually, something just came to mind that some, a friend of mine always uses that term. And I need to have you guys have him on the podcast. He's a, I had him on here a couple of weeks ago. He's just a powerhouse of spirituality. I think you'd both enjoy him very much, but I, I love what you're doing. I love it. I think it's wonderful. Um, I love who both of you are. You're wonderful human beings that are really deep spirited souls that are helping a lot of people. And I, 
I appreciate people like you. This is deep. Like this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, doing God's bidding and um and 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 for good purpose. You know what I mean? People do need to to tune in and hear this stuff. So I'm going to always rave about um <laughs> daily reflection, not <laughs> not reflections, right? Yeah. Not plural. Um but definitely so I I I really appreciate you guys appreciate you guys coming on here today. If you guys have anything else you want to say, Go for it, and then we'll tune it on out. Any last words? I don't know. Just, you know, thank you so much for having us and giving us an opportunity to talk about, um, you know, our our uh, mission. And thank you for the work you're doing, Pej. Um, yeah. I've listened to your podcast. Absolutely fabulous. And just all the other work you're doing out in the recovery world. You're an incredible inspiration. And, um, you know, when we see people like you, it, it's, this is exhausting, as you know, I'm sure you get exhausted. Um, but when I, when we see other people like you out there doing it, um, it makes us want to keep doing it and what we're doing matters. And, um, even if we, if, if we help save one life and that one life does amazing things and the ripple effect is, you know, we just don't know what we're doing. So, um, thank you for your service. Thank yeah. you. I have yeah. one. In, I have a half hour every night of meditation and decompressing from the full days of just constantly trying to help people. But it's what we do. I think uh, it's what helps me stay sober. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's right what on. helps me stay sober. Yeah. But I appreciate you guys both um, for coming on the corner. I hope to have you on in the future. And if anybody is looking to hear their podcast, you can find it on Daily Reflection Podcast in any uh, podcast space. Um, just type it in. Google it. Yep. You'll find it. All right? You'll find it. Yep. Michael, Thank you so much, last, Pedro. Uh, just just massive gratitude. Thank you for what you're doing. Truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Signing off. Over and out. Love Bye. you. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Fight, 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 fight.